0: New Hope family. It's such a privilege to be here again. It's been a while since I've uh, been up in Auckland, but uh, I've spent the last week with 150 children at my twin brother's uh, children's Bible ministry camp at Raglan, which is such a privilege. Uh, For those that don't know me, my name is Pat, and I'm Pastor Ian's younger brother. We're the three brothers. I have a twin. He's the ugly one. No, just kidding. (laughs) And uh, I run a ministry called Amped for Life, which my wife and I founded in 2002. Uh, basically, and if you want to know more about that, there's some brochures at the back table. Uh, I'm often invited to go into various schools throughout New Zealand to challenge students to think about the decisions they face in regard to their life choices. We address topics such as drugs and alcohol, at risk decision making, and the importance of getting an education, creating good habits, whereby making a more positive path for their future. As you know, in today's world, there are incredibly complex issues our young people have to negotiate. And my passion is to really get in there and speak from the heart and a life of experience to stand at the top of the cliff, so to speak, and warn them about the potential dangers they face. This ministry was birthed as a result of being caught up in a cycle of addiction myself for 18 years. And in 1995, uh, I ended up overdosing three times which was nearly fatal. In fact, I clinically died three times. Too much to talk about today. Uh, If you ever want to hear my testimony, you can email me and I can send a a video file to you. So uh, that was me in 1995, the photo on the left. The photo on the right was a passport photo. (laughs) Probably not the best picture to travel overseas. But uh, in that moment, uh, desperate and broken, I reached out to Jesus. He came into my life and set me free from my addictions my sin and myself and as a result of never never been the same how can you be if jesus truly touches your life you can never be the same and uh pastor ian and my twin brother mike and kimberly and my mum would have testified to the impact that jesus had so uh God rescued me, redeemed me, remade me, and now all I want to do is just give my life back to him. Why? Just because. I can never repay him for what he's done. He changed me and set me free, and so I want want him to have my life. I made a promise if he could help and forgive me, I would serve him for the rest of my days. 24 years on, we continue to try and honour that commitment. So today I want to share with you a sermon which should challenge us to put into practice those things we read in his word. Uh, The scripture says, but be sure that you live out the message and do not merely listen to it and so deceive yourselves. The wonderful thing about the gospel and the word of God is this, that it's applicable. That unless we put into practice and outwork those principles and those things that we learn, it's merely words. Words don't change people application of words and that message does and so for myself I spent two and a half years initially outworking my faith and finding out who this person Jesus was not just words on a page but he became so real to me Proverbs 18.24 says this is a friend who sticks closer than a brother to me that person is Jesus it is the Holy Spirit because without him I'm lost and words aren't going to change me it has to be a living relation, a living and dynamic relationship, with a heavenly Father that wants to have fellowship. In a world that seeks to to please self and nobody else, it is very easy to become self-absorbed and oblivious to those around you. We can all probably quote John chapter three verse sixteen, you know the old scripture for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But do we know 1 John 3.16? And I love this verse. This is one of my life verses, and it says this. This is how we know what love is. Sorry. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Now, you could spend the rest of your life unpacking that verse. Why? Because it encapsulates, in a sense, the, the essence of the gospel. Have a look at the person sitting beside you. Have a good look. Get the picture. That means laying down your life for these people beside you. You're going to spend eternity with these people. So you may as well learn to get on with each other now. <laughs> one of the key things which I've observed in the life of believers that have matured in their faith is their willingness to assist and minister to the needs of one another. And as so as Josh so Uh, appropriately put this morning, nicked a couple of my verses, actually. Uh, It's a one another ministry. And even more so in the family of believers, our church family, our community, and those that are in need. I'm encouraged that the New Hope family are often seen out working this, your Christmas in the park, international dinners, and many other outward-focused ministry expressions. Good for you guys. Well done. Seriously, the moment that you lose focus from the people around you is the moment you need to re-examine your faith walk because actually it becomes not about us anymore but it becomes about the needs of the ones that God brings across our path. This message is called One Another Ministry and you don't have to look too far in today's world to see a need. Broken people, broken lives, hopelessness, sadness, loneliness and there's plenty of that. In fact, Mother Teresa once said, loneliness is the leprosy of the modern world. And she's so true. I work on St John Ambulance. I've been a volunteer for 13 years. And I go to some incredibly sad and lonely people, elderly people often, which they would never say it, but they journey alone. And if someone would take a moment To love on them, have a cup of tea and just minister, just be there, not to say anything or do anything, just to be in their company. Loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty. I come across people like this all the time as an ambulance officer. We are frequently confronted by the sad reality of many within our communities. In fact, several months ago, we went to such a job, a 28-year-old young man who was part of a gang in Tauranga, Uh, he tried to commit suicide. What he'd done, he'd thrown himself in front of a truck trying to get out of a life he was stuck in, battling addiction, crime and sin. For him, it seemed hopeless. We saved this guy's life, this time anyway. And what I've learned is that I've come to realise that you never have to look too far to see see that others need our help in this life, in this life, you know? In Matthew 22, 37 to 40, Jesus clarifies us the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second most important is similar. Love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. All the commandments and all the demands of the prophets stem from these two two laws and are fulfilled if you obey them. Keep only these and you will find that you are obeying all the others. We complicate the gospel when in fact... It's actually quite simple. I like simple. I do simple, yeah? Love God. Love others. Two expressions. It's not rocket science. And today I'm going to outline some of the things that the Lord wants us to apply and practice regularly for one another. And the first one I want you to, to highlight is abounding love one to another. We read in First Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12, And may the the Lord make your love for one another and for all people, all people, not just some people, not the select people who are pleasant, but all people, grow and overflow just as our love for you overflows. In this verse, the Apostle Paul desired the Thessalonian church to see their love greatly increase for fellow believers and everyone else. He used a term derived from the Greek word Periseo, which implies something that overflows or spills over the top. Our love for others should overflow or spill over onto and into others. Pretty descriptive words, really. I often feel like this with my kids and my grandchildren. In fact, I think my clickers uh, are having some issues. Hang on. Can you just click that slide, boys? Thank you. There we are. When my grandchildren were born, this is my latest grandchild. Her name is Caitlin Maureen. My heart felt such deep and intense love for them, you know, and you know what it's like with your own. The moment that changed my life forever actually was when I held my son in my arms for the first time and I started to appreciate the love of a father for his children. To love in this capacity when reaching out to others impacts and influences people profoundly. When somebody really loves you with this type of love, you know it. It's tangible, you can feel it. Years ago, I met a guy called Bob Rayner, who was a chaplain of Mount Eden Prison. And when he met me, I was a mess. Drugs, addiction, and sin were evident. I carried a lot of shame and embarrassment, driven to many behaviours and habits as a byproduct of this lifestyle. Bob simply loved me unconditionally and met me where I was at. He didn't judge me or try to fix me. Only Jesus could help me, and he understood this Instead, he journeyed alongside me as a friend. He allowed my trust to grow. You see, my trust had been so betrayed, I didn't know how to trust anyone, for that matter. Over time, I allowed Bob to speak into my life. Why? Because I knew that Bob loved me as I was, and wanted to let Jesus do the work in my heart. As Christians, we should love one another also, and also love the lost. Our love love should For them should spill over and overflow to those people he brings across our path. Jesus loves the lost and so should we. A few years ago, I had a guy call me and ask me if I could write to his nephew, Adam. This boy, Adam, was in prison for numerous numerous criminal offences. Knowing of my story, he wanted me to write in the hope that I could somehow help him. This boy was a stranger to me. I knew nothing about this kid. I felt like I had nothing to offer, but I sensed the Lord just gently nudging me to reach out and extend love to him in spite of not knowing what to say or do. I simply wrote a letter to encourage him and he responded a couple of weeks later and I saved this. And this was from one penned letter to a complete stranger. Hi, my friend Pat. I thank you for helping me this complete stranger find his Lord and Saviour. I have found Jesus... I asked the Lord to forgive me of my past and told him how foolish I am for not opening the door. My God had been knocking on all my life sooner. I've not only opened that door, but I've torn it off its hinges. And you know what? Out of one step of obedience, the soul was saved. I continued to write to this guy for some time, and I'm so glad that I stepped out in that simple nudging that the Lord prompted me and how often have we sensed the Lord wanting us to do something or minister or reach out to somebody and we've sort of deflected it and gone, no, no, that can't be. Why? Because of fear? Because you feel like you're stumbling or awkward or it it doesn't feel natural? And it never does. But I promise you, if you function out of that little step of obedience, God will open up opportunities for you all the time to make a difference to one and another. I didn't have the capacity to love this guy, but the Lord created in me an empathy to speak life and truth to a hurting soul, which leads me to my second one another point. Uh, Yep, have compassion for one another. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous, not reviling evil for evil or reviling for reviling but on the contrary, blessing. Why? And this is so awesome. Knowing that you were called to this, number one, and that you may inherit a blessing. When you do that, you inherit a blessing from ministering into the lives of others. Peter commands us to love as brothers love each other. In other words, a family kind of love. Of course, siblings always don't like each other. Me and my brothers, when we were young, we used to scrap like cat and dog. But when it came to it, we pulled together as brothers and we had this lifelong bond. And even now, I'm blessed that I have brothers that I'd do anything for, I'd lay down my life for. And we had that wonderful relationship. In other words, a family kind of love. But for the most part, they are committed to each other above those outside of the family. Christians should carry that commitment to other believers. You see, it's easy to love those who love us, but true faith loves the unlovable. I was living at this drug rehab called Bethel House, and I spent two years at this place. One day, I sensed—and this was these crazy sort of divine assignments that the Lord would send me on. One day, I sensed the Lord wanted me to do something really quite bizarre, and He—I felt in telling Him telling me to go down to this town called Kopi, which is in Fakatani, and check my F-Post card. And I said to Him, "Look." I know what's in there, there's $2.87, I, I know. He just said, do what I've asked. So I jumped on my motorbike and I rode down to the machine, put my card in the machine, $2.87. I'm standing there in the middle of the street going, see, I told you. And he said, be quiet and look across the road. And I looked across the road and in the alleyway of this bank was a figure, a, a large figure, big Maori guy, covered in tattoos, he was six foot three, full facial tattoos, mongrel mob. And I felt like the Lord said, I want you to go in, over and tell him how much I love him. And I, I'm not going to do that. He will rip my head off. And I felt like the Lord said, as you cross the road, I'm going to give you a strategy on how to speak to this guy. And I'm thinking, this is crazy, as you often do. So I walked across the road. And as I'm walking across the road, I felt a $2 coin in my pocket. And the Lord said, what's in your hand? And I said, a $2 coin. He said, exactly. Go across this road. Go across the road and talk to this guy and ask him if he's hungry. So I walked across the road, I spoke to the guy, gave him the old eyebrows and I said, hey buddy, I said, what's the matter? I said, are you living on the street? He said, yeah. He said, me and the missus have had a big set too and I'm, I'm living out on the road. I said, are you hungry? He said, yeah, I am. I said, wait here, I'll be back in a minute. So I w- raced down to Maccas, two 95 cent burgers, put them in my bag and took them back and I handed him two burgers I said, I fed your stomach, now I need to tell you something that God loves you and has a plan for your life. And if you ever need his help, all you have to do is cry out from your heart and he'll hear you. And then I sense the Lord say, now, right, get on your bike. You've done what I've asked you, now go. To this day, I don't know what the outcome was, but the fact of it was, as you grasp the reality of that none of us deserve his grace and forgiveness, he gives it anyway. This grace and mercy should inspire us to extend that same love to others. Scripture reminds us in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Also, I love this verse, not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. Do you know the comforting thought for me about being a believer? We're all on a level playing field. There's nobody better than anyone else. You think you're better than me? Actually, you need to re-examine your life because all of us are saved by his grace and the grace alone. And I understand that every day. You see, I'm no better than anyone else here. I'm just a follower of Jesus who is on a journey of becoming a little bit more like him every day. I think at times we're quick to forget how much he forgives us, unlike the woman caught in adultery. The lady knew how much she'd been forgiven. The revelation of his mercy to her was profound. And in fact, in Luke 7, verse 41 to 46, Jesus expounds on this. There were two men who owned money to a moneylender. Jesus began. One owed 500 silver coins and the other owed him 50. Neither of them could pay him back, so he cancelled the debts of both. Which one then will love him more? I suppose, answered Simon, that it will be the one who was forgiven more. You are right, said Jesus. He then turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your home and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You did not welcome me with a kiss, but she's not stopped kissing my feet since I came. You provided no olive oil for my head, but she has covered my feet with perfume. I tell you then, the great love she has shown proves that her many sins have been forgiven. But whoever has been forgiven little shows only a little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. You see, having a revelation of grace and forgiveness in your life should create in you the same compassion and empathy for others. I know it certainly did for me. Every day I stand in front of the mirror and I'm reminded of what he set me free from. One who has forgiven much, loves much. When I lived in Fakatani at this Christian rehab, I was asked by a mate who was a policeman to come down to the station and offer one of the prisoners, he was a glue sniffer, an opportunity to come and live at Bethel House, the same rehab. He politely declined, instead he asked me to drop him off at the edge of of the bridge as he was going to hitchhike back to Auckland. He was very effeminate in mannerisms and his movements, obviously a homosexual and barely surviving in his destructive lifestyle choices, using glue and other substances to mask his pain. He stunk from not showering properly, and he had a glue beard, which is often a common thing with people that sniff glue. And uh, as we were driving to the end of town, I felt the Lord gave me a word of knowledge for this young man regarding why he'd got into that lifestyle. He also prompted me that I needed to get out of the car and hug and physically embrace this fella. Well, I started protesting and manifesting at the prospect of having to touch this dude, but the Lord reminded me again of his unconditional love for this young man. As we pulled up to the side of the road, I began to share with him the word that I felt the Lord had revealed to me regarding his life and the reasons behind his choices. He started to weep, and in that moment, the love of God invaded my car. I simply expressed with him that no matter how far he felt he'd fallen, there was nothing that God's love could not heal or set him free from. You see, love doesn't bring an agenda. It simply gives. I got out of the car and walked over to him and embraced him with a father's heart and love. He held me tightly and sobbed on my shoulder. And in that moment, I truly believe he felt the love and the grace of God. He stepped back and said to me, that's the first time anyone's ever truly touched me without wanting something in return. Man, it was incredibly powerful. I couldn't change his heart, only God could. But he used these hands and feet to show a little bit of, the, of that to this precious kid. What a privilege, what an honour to have a part in ministering God's love to a child who was lost. Freely you have received, now freely give. Whatever that looks like to you, be it a gesture of love, a hand of compassion, generous doses of grace, a heart of empathy, supporting others emotionally, physically, or even financially. Whatever the Lord has given you, dispense to others where there is need. And actually the Bible talks about that. And it says if you know the right thing to do and you don't do it, it's actually a sin. On that note, 1 John 3:17 encourages us, if anyone has this world's needs or world's goods and sees his brother in need, but closes his eyes to his need, How can the love of God reside in them? Years ago, when I was at this church in Fakatani, a place called Liberty, I felt the Lord bring to my attention the needs of a lady in our church. Not unwanted attention, but in a different capacity. She was a single mum who had no vehicle as her last one had died a natural death and was going to cost more to fix than it was worth. And I sensed the Lord was prompting me to put a little bit of coin aside. Don't get me wrong, I was still tithing, but I was able to give extra over and above to put a little aside over a two year period to save up, to contribute towards buying this lady a car. So I faithfully did that and at the end of two years the guy who was running the house, his name was Chris, I told him what I wanted to do and so we found a car and told the people what I was doing and the people were so blown away they gave us the car And it turned out that the lady had no carport for her car to plant. So I was able to use the money to build a carport so that that lady could not only have a vehicle but have a place to store her vehicle as well. To this day, that lady has never known where that money came from. And the Lord blessed her and answered a prayer that she'd been faithfully seeking him for. Verse number three, point number three, bear one another's burdens. Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Actually, another version reads, Carry one another's burdens. And that is a big ask in itself. Carry one another's burdens and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. The New Living Version, New Living Translation Version, exhorts us to share each other's burdens. Paul is giving instruction to the Galatian Christians about how to live with each other as Holy Spirit-powered people in Christ. In the previous verses, if you look in your Word, he told them that when somebody is caught in sin, others should step in to help restore that person to walking by the Spirit again. We should restore those caught in sin with gentleness and humility. And we should help to carry each other's burdens Unfortunately, how many times have we seen the opposite being demonstrated? No grace, no mercy, throwing somebody under the bus without giving any chance for restoration or reconciliation. Sometimes our self-righteous opinions of hastily making judgments on somebody else's sin and brokenness without knowing any, anything of that person's story. What I've found over many years of ministering to others is that there's always a reason which motivates the behaviour. It doesn't make it right but it makes it understandable. I'll give an example. I, was, uh, I work in uh, Mount Maunganui College. I do one-on-one counselling with students that are identified with behavioural and drug issues and all sorts of other things. One day I was given a 14-year-old student who was labelled by a principal, uh, a loser, a troublemaker, a thief and a liar. And this principal was quite overt in saying that. And uh, put in the too hard box. in that moment, feeling inadequ- inadequate and hopeless, I sensed the Lord say, "Have a chat to him." So I said to the principal, "Look, give me the kid and let me talk to him." He 'd been in trouble for petty crime, theft and playing up at school, truancy and all sorts of other issues. So I asked this young man, I said, "Why are you doing what you're doing?" He said, "Do you really want to know?" I said, "Well, that's why I'm asking." He proceeded to tell me how his mum was a prostitute, she was addicted to methamphetamine. She would disappear for up to two weeks at a time to go and service her drug habits, so she would disappear and leave them all on his own. His dad was a drug dealer, likewise disappearing, selling drugs around the country. So he said to me, do you know what I do? He said, I go out and I commit crime, I break the law, I get into trouble, so that somebody I trust in authority, being the police will make me feel safe again until my family come home I went wow has anyone ever bothered to ask you this he said no sir he said they're too busy putting a label on me and putting me in the too hard box do you know what I don't want to get into his head my head's bad enough but if I shut up and learn to listen with the compassion and heart of Jesus often the reasons of a person's choices will become evident. And hopefully I can journey with them for a while and point them to Jesus and offer some practical tools and solutions along the way. How quickly we form opinions about others without really knowing them at all. How quickly we can minimise and play down the grace that Jesus has freely given to us. There may be people even here seated amongst us that carry incredibly heavy burdens. Guilt and shame overwhelm them because of past sin and mistakes. But they have learnt to conceal it well fearing that if they share, they may be exposed and betrayed by the ones around them. I know that glue sniffer did. I remember suggesting that he should go to a local church in Auckland. Upon his return, he replied to me, Church, why would I want to go to church? I'm already feeling bad enough. Valid point, really. One thing I prayed years ago was, Lord, never let me forget the grace of God in my own life, lest I trample it underfoot and treat it as a common thing that unmerited favour and abundant mercy you have poured out liberally over me and by his grace I try to share with others as he brings them across my path our fourth one another it says and with all humility and gentleness with patience I mean there's three points right even there and then the fourth one showing tolerance for one another in love we can be tolerant but not be tolerant in love And you know what? My mum taught me more about tolerance than anyone. In fact, I watched my mum outlive a lot of these one and anothers. She'd often be across the road at Audrey Cullum's place or Mary Turner's house or down the beach with some gang member or sharing with strangers where God would lead her on these divine assignments where she would minister one to another. Throughout your faith journey, you will encounter situations and people that can be incredibly testing. As Rick Wong would say, extra grace required. And I'm sure we know those people. In our mind, we would have it that they'd get it all sorted out straight away, right now. Make miracle, you know, get it sorted, man. Come on, psh, get with a plan. My mum taught me more about showing tolerance and bearing patiently with my faults and weakness than anyone. Her enduring and confident faith held on to the fact that the Lord had to do a deep work, a process that would take some time. It is a patient holding out under trial, a long protracted restraint of the soul from yielding to emotion, especially the emotion of anger or frustration when things don't happen straight away. Our old nature is so quick to take offence that we need longer fuses sometimes. It doesn't take too much to scratch before the surface and you see that old carnal nature rise up. The new life in Christ enables one to endure with showing tolerance for one and another. And finally, our last point, forgiving one another. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And this can be a tough one by default. We will hurt each other. It's a nature of humanity. We are broken humanity, and by default we will. It's not intentional sometimes. It is a byproduct, and we're in a process of becoming more and more like Christ. We are broken and marred vessels on a journey of restoration. We will blow it. We get it wrong every day. I I do. I blow it with my kids when I'm short. That intolerance kicks in, and I want things done straight away. Forgiveness is not saying that that person that hurt you was right. It's not right. It's not saying they were right. Forgiveness is not condoning their behaviour or actions for what they did that was wrong. Forgiveness is firstly a decision of the mind to choose to lay down the hurt and offence and give it to the one who can forgive. Unforgiveness will cause resentment and resentment will cause bitterness and hatred which will eat you up and consume you from the inside out. So would you join me today by taking that first step by praying? If we just close our eyes and bow our heads. Just say this in your mind. God, I lay this hurt and unforgiveness down for anyone that may have hurt me. And Lord, I willingly release and let go of that hurt by putting it into your hands. And Lord, I release it to you today in Jesus' name. Give me the grace to continue to lay it down not that we condone or endorse that behaviour where we were wronged, but we give it to the one who can forgive. And we make a willing choice to do that today so that we can be set free from bitterness and anger and resentment. And they can be set free to allow the healing process in their lives to work as well. So as we've heard and read today, our faith walk includes one another in many aspects of our lives. Both in the body of Christ and to those that he brings across our paths. Let us be one who are doers of the word and not hearers only. Let us be those who live out the message. Love gives at the expense of self for the benefit of others. There are approximately another 59 one another scriptures in the New Testament. So at some stage throughout this week. If you'd like to get a copy of those, I can email a a copy of that to Pastor Ian or Kimberly and uh, if you want to go a little deeper. So in closing, blessing and thanks.